You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One on, nobody out. The two open. Here you swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here for the next couple of hours. And uh, claims we've got a lot of good stuff planned. We're going to check in with our buddy Rick Horton here in a few minutes. Uh, Bill DeWitt III a little later this hour. Next hour, uh, great uh, excerpts from live at Shannon's as we continue to use the last part of this year to remember Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and some of the people that we've lost. So we got uh, a live at Shannon's that had both Gibby and Bill White, which is just a fantastic piece of, of Cardinals radio history. So we get to that coming up next hour. And in the meantime, we'll try to figure out kind of where things are headed because we still don't know anything more now than we did a week or two weeks or three weeks ago with how things are going to start up in 2021. Why don't you just go back to when we played San Diego because we don't know much more <laughs> from that last game until where we are at now. Uh, and you know what, Kevin? I think that there are a lot of teams around around baseball who are probably in that same position where they just don't know. Yeah. And uh, as, as Mo said to us, you just got to be patient. We're going to move some things into January. Uh, but it should be fun. With regard to the interview with Bill White and Bob Gibson, you know, it for me, growing up watching both of those guys, and Bill White was kind of an idol for me, to listen to those two guys talk. And when we would go to a commercial break that night, that's when the stories really – it's amazing what a guy can tell you in about three minutes. <laughs> but it was so much fun to listen to that and to reminisce and, and hear those two talk. Uh, two of the greatest Cardinals in the history of this organization talk. I, I think if people who haven't heard it will certainly get a kick out of it. Yeah, that'll be coming up next hour. Now, as far as kind of current events, Klaibs, I mean, that you know, Mo told us last week it, it was going to be quiet, that, that, you know, that you never know when something might happen, but that there was really like nothing close to happening. And that's pretty much true for everybody. We have some, you know, minor signings here and there. You got James McCann off the, off the market now. He's a, a member of the New York Mets, but really nobody's doing much of anything. Um, so that kind of leaves us with our kind of weekly update on Yachty and Wayno, and t- tr- truth be told, Claves, I haven't heard really anything about Adam Wainwright's status or teams that are contacting him or anything along those lines. We have heard a little bit uh, from Yachty. He had a little fun on Instagram over the weekend, asking his followers who, where he should sign, and you know, having a little fun with that. Uh, and that's a bit about it. That's what we know about you know Yachty and Wayno compared to what we heard from Mo last week. Yeah, did Yachty get the results on where they wanted him to go? I don't know that. I don't know that it's been finalized. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, right. you know, when you're looking at those guys, I mean, it's, they're all going to root. You know, they're going to pull for their own team, whoever it is. So I guess wherever he has the most followers, which I'm assuming would be St. Louis, uh, will probably so. put in the most votes. You know. Um, I think like Yachty, like Wayno, like Cardinal fans, like you and me, we're, we're kind of bored because there's not a lot going on. And uh, sometimes you have a little extra time on your hands. And you just float it out there. I don't think Yachty <laughs> meant anything by it other than having some fun with what was going on because it's a 
it, you know, if you haven't gone through it before and, and you and I have gone through it as spectators, but as players and it's your first time going through it, the best thing you better try and find out to be able to do is wait because nothing's going to happen for a while. Yeah. And part of it is that some of Yachty's market will be determined based on who loses out on, for example, JT Realmuto, right? I mean, mm-hmm. McCann's off the market. So, you know, there were a few t- handful of teams that were listed as potential landing spots for Yachty. One of them was the Mets. Well, that one's out now with McCann going there. Uh, you know, the next domino will probably be Real Muto, right? I mean, if if he leaves Philly, you could see the Phillies have interest in a catcher. If he stays in Philly, well, then maybe you're back to the Angels or Yankees or whatever. But, you know, I, I think we have a pretty good view of this, having seen Yachty all of these years and understanding, you know, as a player what his priorities are. And I think it's pretty clear he's not going anywhere where he's not the guy, where he's not going to play when he wants to play and, you know, be the regular starter. I don't see him sharing time, for example, with Jan Gomes in Washington or sharing time with Austin Nola in San Diego. The only way he makes sense as a Yankee is if they trade Gary Sanchez. I mean, I just, I don't see him choosing a place where he's going to be considered half a starter or even a guy that plays 60%. I mean, he wants to play. I mean, that's it. That's where his benefit is too, right? I mean, the the way he benefits a team is being out there every day with the, with the pitching staff. Well, and throw in the fact that I don't think he wants to be part of a rebuild. I think he wants to be part of a team that he thinks that can, can contend and with him, it, they'll be even better because he'll be able to handle the staff as long as well as swing a bat. And when you look at that tree, Kevin, it's not a tree that with a lot of branches to it. So no. um, this is still the best environment for him. Uh, and I'm sure that they will sit down and get it figured out. Unless somebody goes one sentence too far, uh, I, I still see him being here in St. Louis. You know, uh, we did. we went through this. Um, nine years ago with Albert Pujols, right? Where, you know, it ended up being, as Albert put it, right? I don't remember the exact words, but he remember, I remember him talking less about it being the, the dollars and more about what he viewed as respect. But respect, I do think yeah. that a lot of players consider, consider the total dollars respect, right? Like they may, it may not be how much they get to keep because we've gone over this. I mean, Albert would have actually taken home more pay on the Cardinals offer than he will in in Los Angeles with the increased cost of living and the higher taxes and all of that. Um, it was it's not about what can be spent. It's about how you measure up against everybody else, and the money is often viewed that way. I wonder if that's also how Yachty will end up viewing respect or appreciation. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Uh, I also think that in his case, how things are conveyed. You know, this is almost borderline arbitration. And, and, you know, when you get into arbitration and you sitting on one side and you hear what the team has to say about you and they're ripping you up and down and you then all of a sudden you take it personal. I I remember going back to the 80s when Terry Pendleton went to arbitration and it didn't go well. And I don't think he spoke to anybody from the front office for the whole year. He was so upset about what they said about him in arbitration. And Yachty's a sensitive guy. and, And I think we all have to take into account in how things are conveyed. Uh, fortunately, he and Mo and the Brain Trust know each other well enough to yeah. know that they're not going to cross that line and, and say something that would be inappropriate or disrespectful. No, I, I wouldn't think so either. And you know, I think when you when you see the long term relationship and you're trying to figure out exactly how to make it work, I do think that you know, on almost every logical level, as you put it a minute, a couple minutes ago, St. Louis is the best fit for Yachty in every in every way from a 
you know, from the fans perspective to a financial perspective to playing time to, and let's be honest, man, running the show. That's his locker room. He, you know, he, yes. for the for his position players, you know, he and Wayno, I mean, like they're the guys you go somewhere else. You don't just take over. You, you have to become no. a part of what's already there, especially if you're going to a contender. And how about if you walk into a clubhouse where the culture is different than what you're accustomed to? And then all of a sudden you have to individually go by and tell people how we used to do it. And they remind you that you're not there anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, th- I think that that creates a whole set of headaches and gray hairs that Yadi or Alina doesn't need. Well, hopefully before too long, we'll have some, some certainty on that. Obviously we all hope that Yadi and Wayno are both back with the Cardinals for 2021. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the Cardinal fan in your life, shop the best selection of premium Cardinals merchandise at the official Cardinals team store right now, featuring game used and autographed collectibles from Cardinals Authentics. You can come in person or you can use the new personal shopper service with curbside pickup simply by visiting cardinals.com slash team store today. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. We're going to bring in our friend Rick Horton when we come back here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you and happy to have our friend Rick Horton, of course, a part of the Cardinals broadcast team, both on the TV and radio side. Ricky, first of all, thanks for jumping in. It's good to talk to you, man. I hope you're well. Uh, everything's great at our house. Uh, yeah, we're just uh, kind of having fun here in, in the holiday season and uh, looking forward to seeing our daughter's going to fly back for uh, for Christmas. So, yeah, all is well with us and, and anxious, of course, to be talking about baseball more and more. We'll get to baseball here in just a bit, but for, for our listeners – my good partner, Ricky Horton, has uh, taken advantage of COVID where he played a lot of golf. Now, he plays on the road when we, when we did travel. So, Ricky, I have to find out how many rounds did you get in during this COVID pandemic that we are dealing with? How many rounds did you have a chance to play in 2020? Well, I'm not saying I counted them, but 101. So, so yeah, I counted them. So, so honestly, honestly, I got to say, Claves, and you and I talked about this several times during the year, and I know people, you know, I mean, you're always looking for some place to kind of keep your sanity. And, and, you know, it's a very socially distant outside activity. And, you know, both walking and, and hiking and, and, and running uh, and, and, uh, and then the golf alongside that has just been kind of a, Kind of a good thing for me. It's kind of kept me, um, I guess, as sane as I can be. But uh, just appreciate uh, being out there. I'm not sure I got much better, but I sure did have a lot of fun. The reason why we have talked about golf for the last few minutes is because we don't have a lot of baseball to talk about because things have been rather quiet. Give me your thoughts, Ricky, on what you've seen as far as the offseason is concerned and where you think this game is headed. Well, you know, I think what we're seeing is there's a lot of wait and see. And, and I, you know, we all understand the reasons, you know, if, if anything the pandemic has taught us is we have to be patient on, on a lot of fronts. And, you know, I think Baseball Players Association, everybody's just kind of kind of saying, well, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait, because things change so quickly. And, and I, I totally get that. Uh, you know, you're at the point where if you're a general manager in the big leagues and they just went through the winter meetings and, you think, well, flurry of activity, but no, because really, you know, the only thing that people are talking about is, you know, what we, we always used to call and John Bozalak would call the low hanging fruit, because that's the only fruit that people can afford right now. I mean, the, 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 the fruit at the top of the tree is a little too expensive without a certainty about what's going to happen in 2021. So I, I get that. And I get the, the owners being smart about that. The GMs being smart about that, but players are, kind of um, obviously wanting to figure out where their next job is. But, it, you know, it's kind of been a, a low-key off season, but I think by necessity. 
You know, the, the timing of this, too, I mean, there's never a good time to deal with these kinds of disruptions like we've seen with COVID. But, you know, for baseball, it, it might even be a little worse, Rick, than for other sports because at the tail end of all of this, we have the collective bargaining talks. They're going to have yeah. to happen, too. Yeah. And to have these two years in front of the next CBA is certainly part of why there's so much kind of angst and difficulty in reaching agreement on things you'd think these two sides could easily agree on. And I fully understand both sides of the table on this discussion, and you're exactly right. You know, if I'm a player and I've been playing, let's say, five years in the minor leagues and five years in the big leagues, I've been playing for 10 years, I've got maybe three years left, and I'm finally a free agent, and the free agent market is nothing. And, and, and not only is the free agent market kind of low, but you've got several players who are not tendered who were, you know, really good players for teams. Eddie Rosario, Colton Wong. I mean, there's a long list of those people. So you're competing against, you know, 100 free agents as opposed to, you know, 30 or 40. And, and so, you know, it's just, it, it kind of certainly hurts your, your value in terms of supply and demand. And so I do feel for the player because you have an expectation that this is my time to kind of get my, the contract that will kind of set me up for life. And that yet on the owner's side, you know, you've got nobody coming to a ballpark and, and where's the money come from? So, I, I mean, I, I honestly get both sides of it there, you know, angst is a good word. Everybody's got it. And, you know, base, it's just not baseball people. It's everybody else, of course, uh, in our, in our country and around the world. So, uh, you know, ba- they'll get through it. You know, baseball got through it, I think in a glowing way in 2020, I was on several calls, uh, zoom calls with the, with all the managers in baseball throughout the winter meetings. And, and, and one thing they all said in unison was praising MLB for actually getting through what they got through. Could have been a lot worse. Uh, it could always be better, but I think they, they handled things pretty well. Locally, the Cardinals um, in the season without a lot of offense. They go into the offseason without a lot of offense. So how do you fix it in, a, in an era where the pandemic has affected your payroll and you look at your minor league system and you've seen just about everybody who you think can help you? And maybe that's not going to be enough. So how do you fix this situation going into 2021? Well, I'm going to refer to those same calls that I just talked about, Claves, on that subject. And, and it is kind of a, not just the Cardinal dilemma. It's everybody's dilemma. If you, I don't care who you are. If you're Kevin Cash, if you're Don Mattingly, if you're even Dave Roberts with L.A., everybody is talking about, you know what, we need a bat or two. Uh, because pitching has become king in baseball. Pitching has, has kind of gotten past hitting guys throwing 99 miles an hour or the way we use them out of the bullpen. Uh, It's made hitting tougher. So, you know, I'm not making an excuse for the Cardinals offense in 2020. I'm just saying it's more of a common problem uh, than, than we might realize that, that every team's thinking the same way, you know, averages number of hits per game were way down, way down. Not so much runs, but the, you know, kind of the, the movement in baseball the stolen bases, the moving guys over the making contact. You know, I, I think they just think hitters are behind pitchers right now because of technology and video, et cetera. And, and they're looking for ways to, to, to figure that out. Now on the Cardinal side, you know, uh, again, there's, there's a whole bunch of people out there. There's, there's uh, however number of people, free agents and non-tendered players. Some of those guys could certainly help the Cardinals. And I think they're, they're looking for the right deal. You know, you make a good point there, Rick, uh, that when you mentioned the runs, right, like runs league wide are, are not down. Uh, no, runs per game no. are higher than they were 10 years ago. Um, they're a little lower than the, the, kind of the middle of the steroid era, but you know, you're still right. basically at four and a half runs per game per team. Uh, but you're right. The difference is the style. And that's the thing that yeah. people are worried about, right? It's less action. It's more absolute, like home run, walk, home run, walk, yeah. strikeout, as opposed to, so the numbers, nobody's complaining about the run scored, but 
it's not as active a game as it used to be. Yeah, there's too many just three outcomes. You either walk, you strike out, or you hit a home run. And, you know, you, you think of all the baseball traditionalists. It's interesting, all the managers can uh, uh, refer to themselves as traditionalists in a way, but they're certainly using the technology and want to use the technology. We have it. Why not? So, so they're kind of a combination of both, which I think is where the game is. Everybody kind of agrees on that. But, but you know, these traditionalists come out of, you know, maybe you might say baseball in its heyday in the 70s and, and maybe even into the 80s. And, you know, it, again, runs aren't any different. It's just the action's different. And, and kind of, I don't want to say pace of play because that's too easy a thing to say, but just how the game is played has changed. I thought it was really interesting that Theo Epstein said after leaving the Cubs that he feels like he was partly responsible for making the game a little bit less than it was by, by, by his focus on analytics. I thought that was – I mean, for anybody to say that, for him to say that, I thought that was pretty amazing. What do you think his next job is? I mean, he, he's won in two places that hadn't won in 100 years. Uh, he's had all the success as a president and as a general manager. Uh, is he a guy that could end up being commissioner of this league at some point, especially the way he thinks about the future? I don't think that that's out of the question. In fact, it's funny you say that because when I read his comments, they had lengthy comments about, and it's not that you know he loves the game of baseball. We all love the game of baseball. We're we're talking about a degree of difference here that we're trying to kind of make sure we stop the slide of of the game having less action and. You know, I, I got the feeling that he was lobbying for some kind of a, a position with the commissioner's office to be in charge of figuring out how to bring back the pizzazz of baseball. And it's not the personality of the player. It's not that simple. It's the action on the field. It's the it's the movement on the field that, you know, we, we kind of, you know, again, base, people love baseball. That's the essence of the game of baseball. It's not home run derby. And so I think he's, I was, I got the sense he was lobbying for that kind of position first, but who knows what that could lead to. Yeah, and and I'll close on this, Rick. I've been thinking about that, too, and it's really hard to to, uh, think to force, right? Because what it ends up being a lot about is the hitter's approach. Because if we go back, heck, I don't even go back. What do we go back? Five, six, seven years. Remember the story then was, where have all the home runs gone? Why are, why, remember there was the year of the pitcher? And, you know, again, this wasn't that long ago. But it, it kind of changed on its own, and baseball does that from era to era. Things kind of change on their own. So what I'm going to ask you is, do you think this is something that requires some kind of action, some kind of rules amendment, um, like we did back in the early 70s in adding the DH in the American League, for example? Or do you think this is something that you know is part of the natural evolution and, it'll, and, and, and the, the fixes will kind of sort themselves out, kind of like we saw with home runs coming back from where they were a number of years ago? Kevin, you just asked the pivotal question for baseball. I mean, that's what I, that's what I see it as. And again, thinking about the manager's response to a kind of a similar way of thinking, they said, look, you know, some of the rules that were, were attempting to mitigate the, the pace of play issues, like the three batter minimum did nothing. I mean, they, they were, they were kind of okay with it, but they said it didn't really do, it didn't really come into play, didn't change the game. And, and, and they said, you know, they were all asked about the shift and they, you know, should we, should we outlaw the shift? It's like, well, you know, maybe we do that, but look, players are players are going to adjust eventually. And and here and here's the bottom line of what they said. Mike Schultz said this directly, and others said it said something very similar. You know, we all get we all love the game. We all get what the next level of the game is. We all just disagree on how to get there. And <laughs> and, and so so what are those changes you're talking about? The, I mean, I've I've always said half kiddingly, who the fence is back? Guys are bigger, stronger, faster. I mean. I mean, why, why is the same home run distance for a guy that, you know, you've got nine guys in your lineup that can go deep the other way because of bats, baseballs, uh, and strength. 
They, yeah. they, they can go deep the other way. And in the 70s, you had two guys that could go deep the other way, maybe, on your whole, on your whole team. So it's a different game. So you might see more triples and doubles and movement and all that if you, if you move the fences back. But, of course, there are people sitting in the seats in those areas. Yeah. So I'm not sure that's a, a good economic thing. But, but it is a reality. I mean, there's all kinds of ideas out there. And I think baseball's uh, just going to have to figure out what the best one is. But, but I do think there's going to have to be an adjustment. Well, we'll see where, where that comes along with all of the offensive action. I know we'll be talking about all these things once we get past the new year, too. And I want to say thanks for jumping on and joining us, Rick. It's always fun talking ball with you. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I know we'll be talking soon. We just, we'll see when spring training all that's going to be. But I know it won't be that long before we all talk again. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, I can't wait. Good to be with you guys. Many thanks to our friend Rick Horton for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you as well that you can end 2020 with a win. Give a gift subscription to Cardinals Magazine, the perfect baseball companion in season and out. You can order at cardinals.com slash magazine or call 314-345-9000. Stick around. We're going to hear from Cardinals President Bill DeWitt III next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. We continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here and a a whole lot to do uh, throughout the course of these couple of hours. A reminder that next hour uh, we're going to be airing a big chunk of the special Live at Shannon's that featured Bob Gibson and Bill White, so make sure you stick around for that. We'll also have calendar giveaways coming up at the end of this hour and the end of next hour, so make sure you stick with us. Now, earlier this week, my man Mike Claiborne had a chance to catch up with Cardinals President Bill DeWitt III Let's take a look at where things are as we head towards 2021. Bill, first of all, uh, happy holidays to you and yours, sir. And this is going to be a unique holiday season, unlike ones in, in the past. But then again, so is 2020. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You too. It is definitely going to be different. Uh, we're used to different in 2020, um, but we're all hoping for normal in 21. So um, we'll see how it goes, but just adjusting on the fly as we go. Adjusting for sure, and that whole wait-and-see mode is still in play to some degree. What, in your opinion, has become more clear compared to where we were at the beginning of COVID? Well, I think we can see the light at the end of the tunnel for sure, uh, with the vaccine now approved and getting started on distribution. Um, you know, at the beginning, this, you know, we kind of thought it would only last a couple months, and then, you know, although we didn't know, and then it sort of dragged on through the summer, and you know, we salvaged that 60-game season and we were able to get through the postseason, which I think was a small miracle. Um, and, you know, probably by the end of the season, we knew that even if everything went great with the vaccine, we'd probably have to open next year with some restrictions. And uh, we're not sure, but that's, that's most likely the case. Um, but, you know, we're planning kind of for everything. You know, you just use the term, we're not sure. Between that and I just don't know right now are two statements we've all used more than we've ever used in our entire lives and how to deal with questions about what took place in 2020. And it's been frustrating, I'm sure, for you and everybody else. But for you, what's the one thing you've been able to come away with from this that you can apply for the future? Because there, there's obviously, as you mentioned, light at the end of the tunnel, but there's still a lot of questions to be unanswered. That's true, yeah. Boy, I don't know. Lessons learned. I mean, I, I think um, maybe there's more risk out there in the world than we think from a business standpoint. Um, the other thing that we sort of realized is that 
you know, there were, there were winners and losers, but there was no predicting winners and losers with this thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure some smart people on Wall Street saw it coming and probably made a big trade and made a zillion dollars. But, you know, even though, uh, I mean, we, we all look back and it's just 2020 hindsight, right? We, we see that certain trends uh, continued. And I'm talking about the larger economy, like, you know, online ordering and food delivery and um, shopping and things like that. Um, but, you know, even um, um, certain sports that we thought we're going to kind of get a, get out of this thing unscathed. Like um, early on, it seemed like hockey and basketball were lucky and football was really lucky because it looked like maybe they'd start um, with a clean season. But, you know, this thing dragged on and it's going to end up probably being about a year plus of um, significant restrictions, which means that everybody in the sports world is going to go through a whole cycle of dealing with it. So nobody's ending up being luckier than anybody else. Um, and uh, so, but right this second, we have a little more time than, for example, the NHL and the NBA in terms of getting the, you know, their season starting. So maybe that's a silver lining for us that, that we can kind of see what they do. But I think we'll have our plan regardless. And um, we're just, you know, making those plans so that we can um, be ready for fans one way or the other in April. I would imagine that uh, you, you've got multiple plans and multiple grease boards in your office with different scenarios, what if, what not. Uh, but as, as it looks like we're going to have fans in the ballpark at some point during the year. How, how challenging has that been? Uh, because putting together season ticket packages and promotions and all those things go into play and in putting on a season. But for you, the, the multiple hats that you've had to pull ideas out of, how much of a challenge has that been? It's definitely been a big challenge. Um, you know, I can think of three big pivots that we've made more recently. The first one is, of course, the winter warm-up, which you've always helped with and been supportive of, and we're going online this year. And even though it probably won't be as big a deal from a financial and revenue standpoint for Cardinals Care, it's a lot more work for those guys because it's a totally different way of doing it. So they got to get ready and prepare in a totally different way, although I think it'll still be a cool event. Then you think about the season and what that'll be like um, if there are restrictions when we start. And I guess there's two pieces to that. There's the operational stuff and then there's um, kind of the, the ticketing and um, fan related stuff. And, and on the operational front, um, we're waiting on some guidance from MLB and they're of course waiting to see what, um, what happens with the virus, but we know that probably it'll be driven by state and local guidelines. Um, and so for us, you know, we'll just be in touch with our um, city, the, the mayor, the health director, and others, and as well as the state to the extent they're involved. And, and we'll just go by what, what the health experts are telling them and what their decisions are politically and otherwise. Um, and I think for, for Missouri, which, um, you know, is red state and has its political dynamic, as well as its particular COVID dynamic, I, I think we will, we got a good shot at being able to have some fans. Um, so that's what we're going to plan on. And then to start, and then hopefully it gets unrestricted, you know, soon uh, after the season starts. But, you know, we're sort of thinking um, most likely as you get towards the All-Star game would, would be when that could happen. 
Um, and then as you think about the ticketing and, and fan connect, um, communication stuff, we're just the whole, we're pre preaching flexibility. We're hoping that our fans who kept their um, season ticket or other ticketing uh, purchase money with us on deposit, we'll keep it with us and we'll use it for next year. Um, and then we're hoping to even get all the season holders who didn't do that, got their money back to come back with us and, and put a deposit down and be ready for the season this year. Uh, we're creating uh, the flexibility by having the payments be spread over several months leading up to opening day so that, um, you know, the picture can come clearer before they've written that big check. And then the last piece of flexibility, which I think for us is a really, um, hopefully a good gesture that fans appreciate is um, the idea that you can opt out of the season and still retain your season ticket benefits and your season ticket seats, your locations. Because um, we understand that some people just may not be ready in 2021. And all we're asking for, um, if for those people is to um, make the first of uh, the, the five deposits that we're having them make uh, leading up to opening day. And in return for that, they can kind of hold that spot. And then hopefully uh, when the, you know, the water's safe, uh, they, they may change their mind as the season progresses and come, come visit. I want to go back to something you brought up, the winter warm-up. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be different. It'll be virtual. And, and I'm excited about it because obviously this is uncharted water for everyone. Uh, I know the energy level for people who put it on, it hasn't waned in one bit. And I think everybody's kind of rubbing their hands together and seeing how this is going to work and, and having fun with it. Because if nothing else, Bill, when we all write the book about how we handle the pandemic, this will be a fun chapter I think we can certainly all feel good about. Absolutely. Michael Hall and his staff does a great job of the warm-up every year. It's our flagship event. The players know that it's, it's, it's our biggest priority of, of things that we ask of them. Uh, they do so much more, but they know that if they don't do the warm-up, they're going to hear about it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we prioritize it, and they're going to participate again this year. Uh, it'll be a little easier on the, on the guys this year probably because they'll be able to do virtual Zoom-related things and stuff like that, but I know they'll miss the fan interaction. Many thanks to Cardinals President Bill DeWitt III for joining us here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. I also want to remind you, that the Cardinals Gift Guide has you covered this holiday season. It's a one-stop online shop that features great ideas for everyone on your list, even if you're looking for stuff for the last second, things like gift cards, uh, Cardinals publications, winter warm-up autographs, museum memberships, and so much more than that. There really is something for everyone. Check it out. It's cardinals.com slash gift guide. Stick around. Coming up next. We're going to be giving away uh, one of the 2021 calendars. So stay with us here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you. Happy to have Steve Zesh with us here, the director of Cardinals Publications. Because, Steve, we're almost at 2021, and thank God for that. And that means it's time for the new calendar that the Cardinals put out every year. And, of course, you guys put a lot of effort into making this thing something more than just something's going to hang on your wall in the background. I mean, for Cardinals fans, it's a pretty cool setup that you guys have. Indeed, it's one of our, our glossy pieces that we put out. We uh, put a lot of time and research into it. And often the calendar is themed around the great photography that our team of photographers generates each year. You know, their pieces are legitimate artwork, and we, uh, we go through that inventory. And, and pick out the very best of the best. But, you know, this year, I thought 
when we're going through 2021, I don't want to look back at 2020 and see baseball shots with uh, empty seats in a ballpark, guys, you know, sitting in the stands with masks on. <laughs> and uh, so, so while we still got great photography that we feature in our magazine, I thought I don't want people looking at a whole year of 2020 throughout 2021 and uh, what could be better than celebrations. And, uh, you know, just started thinking about it. And it's like, man, we got some great material here. Let's go with the uplifting, uh, happy shots that uh, when you look at them, you're going to feel good about the Cardinals and about, you know, watching Cardinals baseball. Last year's calendar is now a collector's item because uh, while the <laughs> dates might have been accurate, nothing else took place on that particular calendar as far as who we were playing and when. So I'll, I'm really looking forward to this one. I, I have a chance to look at it. And it, again, the artwork, I think, is just it just stands out so much. You mentioned your photographers who shoot, I'm sure, thousands of photographs during the course of the year. And to pick out a handful of them, man, it's got to be tedious work. Well, yeah, it's, it's good work, too. And, uh, you know, with this, we're, we're going into our archives. And, and I'm not saying this with any sense of uh, braggadocio or, or pride here, but I've probably looked at more Cardinals photos than anybody uh, being 25 years in the job. And uh, so I'm familiar with all of it. But what I like to do is use stuff that we haven't seen again and again and again. And for these shots where we, you know, pick out celebrations of great moments from the past, we try to spread it around, get stuff from different eras, but also not just recycle the same shots that uh, people are accustomed to seeing. So I have a pretty good handle on what we've used in the past a lot and uh, tried to mix it up. And not that we went to uh, second-rate material. These things are all first-rate. And uh, they're really, really great shots to capture that moment in time. And, hey, while some of them, yeah, you, you can't avoid, you know, we've all seen the Ozzy shot where he's leaping into the pile at, uh, <laughs> at home. At, you know, but who gets tired of that? And plus, we'll never see another shot like that again because the TV cameras beat half the roster out to the dog pile these days. So you're seeing things that we're not going to see anymore with, Hey, no TV cameras running in the shot right behind the player. <laughs> uh, it's funny you, you mentioned that. One, I think my favorite one that I that I peeked at here was the the August picture, and I don't want to give away too much, but if people want to look at it, it it's from October twentieth, nineteen eighty two. And you you talk about a Where's Waldo photo. You, you know, you've got a celebration going on on the old turf, which was flashback to the you know old days of actual AstroTurf. You can't see almost any players. It's all fans, police officers with their clubs out, and police dogs. It's a fantastic, chaotic picture, man. You got the canine uh, patrol right there in the <laughs> middle. And, and, and you look at the top, and, and there's some cat who's running across the field. He's just spilled his cooler and his load of ice there. It's like, what's this guy doing? There's a load of ice and a cooler on the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's you beautiful. know what I tell you, Steve. I, I love the photograph of uh, McCarver, Gibson, Cepeda, and Shannon. That's one of my favorite photographs as well. And I think when fans get a chance to see this calendar, it's going to bring back so many memories of so many good times we've had in St. Louis over the course of what the last fifty plus years. Yeah, exactly. And that, that one there, yeah, that knocked my socks off too. And we put it on the cover as well. They're all legends, and it's the greatest game pitched by the greatest pitcher in the greatest year of pitching. And they're coming off that field after game one of the 68 series. And, and Hey, Gibson's cracking a rare smile there. He's even uh, into it as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can get the calendar at all area grocers. You can get them at 
Um, the Cardinals clubhouse store is at the team store at Bush Stadium. You can also call 314-345-9000. So you've got some great options, a lot of different ways to pick it up. Steve, thanks for uh, letting us know about all of this. We'll look forward to 2021 playing out and hopefully a little bit smoother than 2020 went. And we appreciate you doing this. Have a great holiday season. Yeah, thanks for spreading the word, guys. You too now. That's Steve Zash, the director of Cardinals Publications with us. The 2021 Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is going virtual. Purchase a 50-50 raffle ticket or personalized autographed items. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash WWU. Uh, Stick around, by the way. We're going to be giving away a 2021 calendar when we come back here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. The 2021 Cardinals calendar is here for the holidays with 12 months of epic Cardinals moments worth celebrating all year long. Of course, celebrations, the theme for the 2021 Cardinals calendar. You can find it at your area grocery stores and retailers. You can get one by calling 314-345-9000. Or if you're really lucky, you can pick one up right now. We'll take the first caller at 314-531-1120. 314-531-1120. First caller here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. We'll pick up the 2021 Cardinals calendar for free. So again, if you're really lucky, you'll get this one here today. If you're not as lucky, I mean, only one person's going to be that lucky. Again, you can find the calendar at your area grocery stores, at retailers in the area. And of course, you can always call and make it simple, 314-345-9000. Now, make sure you stay with us here on the Countdown to Opening Day show we got some great stuff coming your way in the 7 o'clock hour. One of the things we're doing here at the end of 2020 is remembering some of the people that we lost. And, of course, not that long ago, we lost Cardinals legend Bob Gibson. What we have coming up for you after the top of the hour is a special Live at Shannon's episode that featured both Bob Gibson and Bill White. We'll get to that next up. It's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here you swing a long fly ball into the left field. This is going to leave the park. The Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, man. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Oh, my. He got all of that one. Now, Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler, your hosts. And for this hour, as we celebrate uh, the holiday season and start to look back on uh, 2020 and really looking back, uh, unfortunately, in this case, uh, on someone we lost uh, not that long ago. And of course, that'd be Hall of Famer and Cardinals legend Bob Gibson. We thought, you know, one of the great ways to memorialize people like Gibby uh, like Lou Brock here at the end of the year, is to make sure we can hear their voices and hear some of the stories that they had to tell. And I thought that one of the one of the great, great shows, one of the great episodes of the Live at Shannon's shows that have been going on for years involved Bob Gibson and Bill White. And I want to make sure that you get a chance to tune in and hear some of that. So again, this is Live at Shannon's featuring Bob Gibson and Bill White here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Good to see both of you. Well, thank you for inviting us. I was all the way in Omaha, and I had to come all the way here to do this. Just for us, huh? (laughs) Anytime. I won't won't comment on that. (laughs) Anytime, anytime, you know that. Mike, remember he said that, anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Gibson's been very, very kind to us over the years. You called him Mr. Gibson? Yes, I do. 
I didn't have to bat against him. I did catch him in old-timers game, though. You know why I caught in an old-timers game? Well, I didn't catch him. I played third base. Uh, uh, Cy Young. No, no, no. Satchel <laughs> 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 uh, Page and, uh, in New York. And uh, Ed Charles, who just retired a couple of years, you know, he hit the hard, one of the hardest balls I ever had hit at me. And I caught it. Anyway, I took it back over to Satchel, and I, he said, where'd that ball go, Mike? And uh, I said, it went at the third. I said, you can't see. He said, no. He said, I can't see. I said, well, damn. I said, make sure you pitch him inside. He said, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> I mean, he had, you know, he had cataracts. He couldn't. He couldn't right. How old was he then? I, who, 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 yeah, he said he was like he, 60 or 70 or 80. He didn't know yeah. how old he was. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, we played a, uh, an exhibition game against Kansas City in Kansas City, and he pitched an inning up there. I don't remember that, yeah. Mike. That was when I was a little boy. Huh. <laughs> what, are you, what, are you what are you guys on tonight? Well, we're on something. <laughs> what, I don't know. Well, now you're in town for the big uh, signing tomorrow, right? Well, Bob's got to answer that. Well, you're signing too, aren't you? I don't, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Bob will answer. He's, he's my spokesman. He's your <laughs> spokesperson, yeah. He's my spokesman. Well, uh, we're, we're someplace out in Clayton, right? Yes. Okay. I think it's at the... Sheridan or somewhere out there. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not quite sure. My assistant here, she'll she'll fill us in here. Quite a few guys are going to be there tomorrow. Yeah, it's a great lineup, I tell you. Phenomenal uh, people out there to do some signing. Some Hall of Famers, um, obviously Bob. Bob's there. Bob is going to be there. Bill White's there. Bill White. Uh, Robbie Alomar. Well, I'm not in the Hall of Fame, but uh, those guys are going to be there. Well, it depends on whose Hall of Fame you're talking about. Frank Robinson, he's supposed to be there. Is that right? I didn't know that. Red Shane Dean, Stan the Man, Cepeda, Alomar, Rasmus, Ted Ted Simmons. I haven't seen him before. Lou Brock. And uh, you can visit www.mabcelebrity.com for details. How about that, Bob? I'm still a broadcaster. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the one you had with uh, when you came back and he said, uh, WW, wasn't watching. (laughs) Yeah, that was Rizzuta. That that was Rizzuta. What are you going to say, Robert? I've been with uh, Bill all evening, (laughs) and, and this has really been trying. (laughs) <laughs> I reminded him of the years back in the 60s that uh, we were together and uh, we had fun we you know you had Lou Brock you had Kurt Flood you had George uh, George uh, Altman George Altman no, Crow. No, George, George, George Crow. Crow. George oh, Crow. Yeah. but this Crow. is yeah. this is early in the time that's when I was a little boy still well <laughs> But he became a great pitcher. George. And a great person. Even greater. George person. Crow, he, he he was a character, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, he said he never wore his shoes in the dugout. Well, he would sit down. <laughs> and he would never get ready until the eighth or ninth inning when yeah, he, he needed him to pitch. You'd look down there, he wouldn't, Johnny Keene wouldn't even say anything. He'd be down there tying his shoelace. <laughs> well, we had, we had one game, and uh, George was not expecting to go in. And he always had his sunglasses on, always. And... Uh, I, I can't say that manager's name, whatever his name was. He, yeah, I know he, who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah we all you're know about Solly Amos. Yeah. Great, great, great manager, Solly Amos. Yeah, right, okay. He, he was, he, Crow, he, he I want you to hit. recognize good pitchers and bad pitchers, <laughs> intelligent pitchers and dumb pitchers. Crow, <laughs> I want you to hit. And, and George jumped up. He didn't have his shoes on. Put his shoes on. He went up in his sunglasses. And usually he would take his sunglasses, put them down, put his record glasses on so he could see. He went up, 
and after two pitches hit a home run with the sunglasses on. And he went around the bases. He came in and sat down, and he saw his glasses on the side, you know, sitting right aside. He said, oh, man, I forgot to put my glasses on. <laughs> George was a leader. Great, <laughs> he, great, he, great, great person. I believe he, he uh, they say, passed away uh, what, uh, last year, I believe. Yeah, about, yeah. about no, eight months right. ago, about eight, month, eight yeah. nine months ago. You but, say he was a leader? Yes. He, George, I didn't know George. He, I, I, he was my mentor, more or less. Right. He, oh, really? mentored, Absolutely. he mentored all no of us kidding. back then. Yeah. yeah. I was a young kid, and, uh, you know, I, I came into St. Louis, and this was back in 1959. And um, <laughs> I didn't have a car or anything like that, and George had this Jeep. We call him Jeep. And he used to let me use his Jeep, and I lived in the same complex where he lived. And any time I wanted to use a car, I used his Jeep. And uh, he, uh, he told me about things that I should or shouldn't do. He's more or less like a, like a father, like a father figure. Mm -hmm. And he had been playing for several years, you know, in the league. And, and uh, I learned an awful lot about, uh, from him, and not baseball-wise, but how to live and how to be a person. Mm -hmm. And he really helped me a lot. And, uh, you know, I have Both a lot, those guys lot of respect Mike for him. Were great. Bas excellent basketball players. Who? George? Bob was? played at Creighton, and uh, George uh, was Mr. Indiana. And of course, we had, uh, we had uh, the other guy, the pitcher that was uh, the Dick brothers. Ricketts. Ricketts. The, Ricketts. Ricketts well, they were. We, you got to listen to this story. We were, we were in St. Petersburg, and this was back in 1959, probably. And they, they had a, a coach's union or whatever it was. It was in the black community, and the coaches were going to play the basketball or the baseball players. They they had this game. There had to be two thousand people in this arena. Wow! Come out to watch the coaches, which they had a pretty good team, and they're going to play the baseball players. Well, they didn't know they had Dick Ricketts, All American from uh, Duke? Syracuse, no, uh, no, it was no Cincinnati, Duquesne, Duquesne, Duquesne from Duquesne. You're right. You're right, Duquesne. And they had George Crow, who played in in the old leagues. I don't know what Mr. it was. Basketball, Indiana. And Duquesne. I played. You know, I played with the Globe Trials. We had some guys that could flat out play, and they had all of this publicity. Were all of these guys, and they were going to beat us. Well, it was just Bill, the Hatchet Man, White. Bill White. Bill White was the Hatchet Man, and we—I mean, we beat these guys so bad, they didn't ever want to play basketball again. Well, and they, they didn't know. They thought we were just baseball players. The funny thing, though, is, is that uh, you know Dick Ricketts played uh, at, at uh, Duquesne. Duquesne, and his brother also played. He, his yeah. brother couldn't start. He played. Uh, he, he, was guard. As he was a guard. He was guard for Duquesne, but he couldn't start on this team. <laughs> and, and, on his pickup team. Yeah, pickup team. <laughs> and, and anyway, uh, every time they throw a ball up, Ricketts would knock it down. Rick was then was about six eight, six nine, and he was had played in the NBA with Syracuse and with Cincinnati, and they throw one up and, and he'd knock it down. So finally, the, the referee started calling fouls on him, and he had four fouls after about the first quarter. So uh, as we went to the bench, I said, "Let me tell you something. These kids didn't come to see these coaches play." They came to see us play. And if you call another foul on Ricketts, we're all going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't foul out. No. <laughs> we'll get back to the special live at Shannon's featuring Bob Gibson and Bill White in just a moment. First, I want to remind you, though, that the Cardinals gift guide has you covered this holiday season. It's a one-stop online shop 
that features great gift ideas for everybody on your list, even at the last second, uh, from gift cards to Cardinals publications to winter warm-up autographs to museum memberships and so much more. You really will find something for everyone on the list at cardinals.com slash gift guide. Stay tuned. We'll get back to Bob Gibson and Bill White coming up next here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Your energy needs are changing. That's why Amron, Missouri isn't waiting on the future. We're building it with a smart energy plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state. Here in St. Louis, we're adding new clean energy sources and installing new composite poles to better withstand storms. Moving Missouri closer to a future of energy centered around you. That's energy at work. Learn more at AmarinMissouri.com slash plan. Hey, St. Louis, Dan McLaughlin here, and I have a scoop for you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app. Trust me, it'll pay off. You shop at Schnucks like normal, earn points on almost everything in the store, and redeem the points for money off. Easy as that. If earning money off your groceries wasn't enough, it also has cool features to make shopping at Schnucks even easier. You can locate items in the store, refill prescriptions, check the weekly ad. It's a grocery game changer. So download Schnucks Rewards from the App Store or Google Play and start saving today. Who's ready for a year of celebrations? The new Cardinals calendar is here to help turn the page to 2021 with 12 months of epic Cardinals moments worth celebrating all year long. Iconic artwork of Gibby's 17 strikeout masterpiece, Lou's 3,000th hit, Stan's final game, Yachty's 2,000th hit, and more will brighten the wall in any room. Pick up the official Cardinals calendar at area grocers and retailers or by calling 314-345-9000. Do you know that Goodwill accepts car donations? Yes, if you have an old car or truck that's just taking up space, consider donating it to Goodwill. It's quick, easy, and towing is free. Plus, you'll get a tax receipt and family meals for a year, compliments of our hometown Lions Choice, while supplies last. For more info or to donate online, visit mersgoodwill.org. Your car donation helps fund Goodwill's many programs, including their Excel Center High School with over 400 graduates and still growing. Your donations change lives. Roofing, 645-2000. 88,000 satisfied customers since 1929. Frederick Roofing, 645-2000. It's time to make some holiday joy, America, and we're here to help. Start your season at the Ford Built for the Holidays sales event and bring home a new Ford truck or SUV with the best deals of the holidays. Let's make a whole lot of joy this year. The Ford Built for the Holidays sales event is here. Head to your quality Ford dealers or go to buyfordnow.com for exclusive holiday offers on the full Ford lineup. That's how we're making joy. How are you? John Rooney for iWarehouse. Someone recently asked me, where did you get those fabulous glasses? I got them at the one and only iWarehouse. Shop at iWarehouse, and others will gaze at you with iWear Envy. When it comes to banking, you have a choice to make. You can go big, or you can go local. Or you can go to Central Bank and get the best of both worlds. The technology, tools, and services you need with the flexibility of a bank who can make important decisions locally. Take a new look at the world of possibilities with Central Bank. Strong roots, endless possibilities. Start at centralbank.net. Member FDIC. 
Once again, the day will come when the five-gallon buckets of sunflower seeds are hauled from the storage rooms. With the telltale bouquet of mathematically cut grass, pine tar, and brand spanking new jerseys will fill the Missouri air. When the dexterous fingers of Dwayne Hilton will dance across the Oregon's ivories once more. It may not feel like it, but rest easy, Cardinals fans. Spring is coming. Phillips 66, live to the full. Proud sponsor of the St. Louis Cardinals. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the Cardinals fan in your life, you can shop the best selection of premium Cardinals merchandise at the official Cardinals team store right now, featuring game-used and autographed collectibles from Cardinals Authentics. So come in person or use our new personal shopper service, and that has curbside pickup as well. So you can do that by visiting cardinals.com slash team store today. All right, we're getting back to the special Live at Shannon's featuring Bob Gibson and Bill White here on the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. I had a chance to visit with Red Shandings for a little bit today, and I told him you guys were coming on the show, and Red kind of gave me that sideways grin and just said, well, those guys knew how to have a lot of fun back there. <laughs> and it, it, you know how Red can say it. And, and he started to tell a few stories, but uh, you, you could tell he enjoyed the company that you guys provided, not only when he was a coach, but certainly as a manager. So how much fun did you guys have? <laughs> We're not going to tell. We're not going to tell. Red Red might want to have a bed check tonight, and so we're not we're not going to tell. I remember we're in Los Angeles one time, and uh, I, I walked into this establishment. You were in there with Will Chamberlain. I don't know if you remember that. Right? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Being yeah, there. and uh, uh, there there's an interesting guy. I mean, think of all the people that we've met all through the years, and how many interesting people. I mean, not only some. I mean, you you go on and on. I mean, some great characters, uh, intelligent people, uh, I dumb mean, pitch uh, people. What's that? <laughs> Unintelligent people. Well, yeah. Well, I said, mean, he said dumb pitchers. That's what he said. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant. Oh, is that? And the guy like on my left tops that. Uh, you know, he stops that. Well, uh, <laughs> what kind of a guy? You, you know him pretty well, didn't you? Or, or you knew him uh, somewhat? Well, I don't. You know. <laughs> I don't know that you know anybody really well and, and, unless you get in a situation where they have to tell who they are without mm-hmm. telling who they are. I, I didn't know him, and I, I thought he was a really, really nice guy. And like you say, he was he was a little different, you know, but when you're the, the, the original big guy in, in wow. the NBA, you're, you, you pretty much have to be different to begin with. What, what really struck me about him was his confirmation. I mean, here was a guy like seven foot something, and uh, by measurements, his confirmation was perfect. You know, usually a guy like that has, you know, he's tall, he has long legs, or he's got the uh, uh, unusual torso or something like that. But this guy looked like they just, you know, just cut him up. Out. Oh yeah, I mean, he he was perfect and, and stood that tall. Well, you know, when he when he first broke in to the NBA. They used to beat him, knock his teeth out, do all kinds of things because he was a young kid out of, uh, just Kansas. out of school. Kansas. And, and he, he wasn't quite sure what he should or shouldn't do. And once he realized who he was and how big he was and how strong he was, he stopped all of that. I can remember one, one uh, episode where he was going in to dunk a ball. And this was in the newspaper. He was going in to dunk a ball, and there was a guy that, and I'm not sure who the guy was, jumped up and was going to block him dunking the ball. He had his hand right over the rim, 
Chamberlain had his hand on top of the ball. If he had dunked it, he would have broken the guy's wrist. And he knew that. And he didn't dunk the ball. He just let it go because he knew he would have broken the guy's wrist. And they did explain that on, on the, uh, in the in the paper. Uh, I remember they had a fight with um, with the Celtics. And Luskatov was their hatchet man, you know. And, uh, right. And uh, he was at the like at the free throw line and he said, Wilt just pushed him as he wound up out of bounds. <laughs> just gave him a push on the chest and said when he, I mean, he was an unbelievably strong guy. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. Yeah, he was certainly that. You guys were roommates at one point? Yes, we were for about three days, and I just went in and said, no, I, this cannot happen. I, I do not want to be roommates with him, and then we broke that up. Just three days, that's oh, all it took. Three, three, four days, I'm not sure. I'll Bill, you've done, you've done it all in this business, but uh, there's nothing like uh, the camaraderie of players, is there? Oh, that's, that's true. We, you know, with the same uh, team, uh, same goals, and, and the same background, which is important. I think Bob and I both have the come from the same family background and that's that's important we both wanted to be big leaguers we both uh, fought uh, hard and of course uh, culminated by bob being inducted in the hall of fame which is i think uh, in fact i was there was yes. it 1981 yes yeah you were there I yeah my son and i were doing a yankee game in syracuse and mm -hmm. uh, we decided that uh, the hall of fame was during that same week and we said hey let's go down and see uh, gibson uh, become uh, a hall of famer and it, uh, i think we're so happy because the man was some kind of uh, competitor. He's pitching with a broken leg. You know, I he remember was also that. crazy. That was July 15th. <laughs> that was July the 15th, my birthday. When you... you know, it's funny. Bill says, I think I was there. And that's what's so sad about us now. We don't really remember things. <laughs> Where we were? Well, I know there's a lot of things that we forget on purpose. Now. Well, you know, that year, I think there was a strike, as a major league strike, and so that's why that's why we had to go to Syracuse to do uh, a Yankee uh, farm team game uh, from Syracuse. We did yeah, those were Columbus, and we're just fortunate. Uh, that's one of the highlights, I think, of my life to sit up there and. Listen, this guy mumble through uh, you know, his half-hour speech being inducted. Yeah, the yeah, but a half-hour speech, which was about 12 minutes. You know, what's, what's really nice about uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that in itself is, is nice enough, but as you, you, you stand there and you look at the crowd and you see people, you, you recognize people that you know and people who were very important in your life, and I looked, and, and I, I had members of my family, my, my brother. Yeah, your brother, I knew that. My sisters. I looked, I saw Bill and his son. I saw my high school coach. I mean, I saw these people as I looked around. And you can't imagine how that makes you feel. And it's not the fact that you're, you're, you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, but it's the fact that it's something really important in your life, and these people show up. That's what's so great about and it. And Gussie Bush was there. Gussie Bush was there. Yeah, wow. Don't forget the uh, owner. Yeah, that's that a, that, that's a, that's very something. Who uh, who who did your introduction? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, didn't they have a? They probably had an MC because there was uh, an MC, oh, but I don't well, know. Now they have today. Uh, they have people yeah, it's a little different today. Way you. back then, you know. Yeah. With, uh, it, it may have been. Uh, it may have been Bowie guy. Coon. It may have been Bowie Coon. Oh, okay. I'm thinking. I'm the thinking. President of the, uh, <laughs> of the Hall of Fame, and I, and I forget his no, name. No, not of the Hall of Fame. I think of the national. I think it was Bowie Coon. Was it Bowie? Yeah, yeah that's what well, I. He think. was a commissioner. I'm not sure. It's the commissioner. Yeah. 
Well, what do you think about them getting rid of the American League and the National League presidents? Do you like that or you don't like it? No. I would have lost a job. Well, no, I mean... <laughs> Although I've been, I had left before you, that. Do you I, think it was good to put those two jobs together or no? No. I think that... Uh, I probably shouldn't say what I think, but but I think... Say what you think, Bill. You've never, ever worried about <laughs> well, that. Well, but I'm a politician. I, I, think, I think really it's important to keep... Uh, the two leagues uh, divided. I don't like the, uh, obviously, the designated hitter. I don't like interleague play. And I certainly did not like the, uh, the uh, putting, uh, getting rid of league presidents because they took a lot of pressure off the commissioner. We're having problems now with, say, Los Angeles, which I don't think we would have had had the National League vetted McCourt and the people. And uh, we, we just have more problems because we have concentrated too much, in my opinion, uh, power in one man. And sometimes that allows personal differences and pref uh, personal preferences to make decisions that aren't filtered through uh, other people. What's the world uh, going to say about uh, the commissioner we have now when it's That's all said and done? I won't say it. It's up to the world. Baseball is making more money now than they've ever made. Uh, they seem to not have strikes that we used to have. Mm. Uh, and I think overall, baseball is in, in good shape. I think baseball is becoming a little more commercial than they would have to be because of uh, basketball and what they've done and because of football uh, with what uh, they've done. Baseball at one point was, was number one in sports. And it has lost that for whatever reason. And I think with more creative uh, thinking and with more or less personal decisions that baseball would have a chance to get back to be number one again. We pay 162 games. Football plays about 82, basketball might play 80-some. And we have an opportunity with some very good uh, direction to get back to number one, in my opinion. Now, I couldn't do that because I'm not smart you can end 2020 with a win by giving a gift subscription to Cardinals Magazine, the perfect baseball companion in season and out. And you can order at cardinals.com slash magazine or at 314-345-9000. right, we'll get back to the special live at Shannon's featuring Bob Gibson and Bill White next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here getting you ready for the Christmas holiday, of course, and then eventually getting you ready for the new year. And we're going to be celebrating the life of Bob Gibson. Actually, we're continuing that because we've been doing it throughout this hour by bringing you a special Live at Shannon's episode that featured both Bob Gibson and another Cardinals legend, Bill White. One of the great books that was ever written about baseball was 1964 that featured the 64 Cardinal team that was rather unique in how they handle themselves during a very challenging time in this country. What, what made that team special in, in how they handle things on and off the field? Well, I don't, I don't know that I can tell you exactly what was the reason, but you had some guys, you, you, you think about it. Um, uh, Mike was on the ball club. Uh, Bill White was on the ball club. We had Kurt Flood. Uh, Tim McCarver, Boyer. Ken Boyer, and we had we had guys 
Musi wasn't there in 64. Uh, Brock took his place. I think Musi in 63 was his last year. Oh, yeah, right. But, but we, had, we had guys that were not just good athletes, but guys that were... Crazy. <laughs> they'll say crazy. I was going to say pretty intelligent. As, as, a, as, a, as a reporter came up to me once, they said, you're reasonably intelligent. Any, anybody that goes into the South and gives people a thing that's crazy. That's Bill White. You wouldn't have to know anybody at this table. <laughs> yeah, I know somebody. <laughs> and I had a reporter say, you're reasonably intelligent, I did whatever that meant. But we had some guys that were pretty smart. And, and I think most really good baseball players are, are pretty astute as far as the game is concerned. And you have a combination of guys on a ball club, plus they had some talent, made, made it a good ball team. We didn't, we didn't have a bunch of superstars by any stretch of the imagination. Not stu- superstars, but we had guys that could play, guys knew how to play, guys that wanted to play. And I think wanting to play is probably the biggest asset that you can possibly have in any sport. A lot, of, a lot of overachievers, too. There's always some overachievers. You weren't an overachiever. You did what, what you were able to do, and that, that, was, that was great. <laughs> you know, and I, I found out something else, that you've been here over 40 years, and that's longer than anybody else has been with an organization, played for an organization, mm-hmm. broadcast for an organization, and that's, that's a, a big uh, big thing for you. Well, it's, 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 it's tough to find a good help around here. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> The amazing thing about that team in the 60s is how many broadcasters came yes. off of that team. I mean, yeah. it's phenomenal. We could talk better than we could play. Well, <laughs> we could talk ourselves out of some situations, which is always helpful. But it is phenomenal how many broadcasters have come out of that uh, team of the 60s. Yourself, myself, Bob, uh, well, Tim Bob Hyland, the late Bob Hyland, there brought you go. not only players in, but... Uh, he, a lot of other broadcasters. We we miss him so much in our community. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, so. uh, what what he did for our community uh, was uh, beyond. You know, when I bought my place in De Pere, He had the whole place uh, direct. Uh, what, what do I want to say? He had the whole place done for him. Trees. Oh, landscape. 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 Yeah. The whole. I had the nicest yeah. looking place in De Pere. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that. I, I, I guess one of the, the positive things about about that ball club is that not only could we play baseball, but we we understood. And at that time, there were a lot of problems socially. Yes. And and we had a bunch of guys that were compassionate about what was going on as far as social problem was concerned. And I don't know that you could have found a. Uh, a better group to play together, to understand each other, and to to endure the stuff that was going on back in those days. And and you know, you, you talk about the black players on the ball club, and no, oh, you guys went through a whole bunch of this and that. Well, we didn't go through it by ourselves because the guys who played with us also went through it. The white guys that played with us, they went through it. And to to be with us, to back us up and to go through these really tough times. I don't know that you could have found a better bunch of guys in 64, 65, 66, 67, that era. And this was the time that this country was going through all kinds of turmoil. Yeah. And we had a bunch of guys that just kind of felt 
for each other. You know, it, it had a lot to do with respect, too, uh, and I, I think that comes from, uh, you know, doing the same job, you know, and you look to the guy next to you, and you, you know, uh, it wasn't a matter of being black or white, you know. I mean, everybody understood who was black and who was white, but uh, we were we were a team, and uh, I think the team was not only on the field, but it carried off the field also in many many ways. Well, Big Divine, Big Bing Divine was, was a very very Al Fleischman, yeah, Bob Hyland. Our yeah, manager, Johnny a, Keen. Lot of, there lot of, a lot of lot of people that came on the sides to, yeah. to help out in those situations. But you know what? They saw what we were all about, and they said, "You know what? Here's a chance. We need to we need to back these guys." Also, I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, a, a couple of years later, the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series and, and everything, and and they had a a song, "We Are Family." Right. And that was happening before then. That was happening with this ball club in, in 1964, in 65, and 66 in St. Louis. Shop from home for authentic caps, tees, jerseys, hoodies, and more, and you can give the gift of baseball to every fan on your list at the official source, mlbshop.com. All right, stick around. We've got one more segment to bring to you from our Live at Shannon's episode featuring Bob Gibson and Bill White next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. You're listening to the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And we are helping celebrate uh, the life of Bob Gibson by having you get a chance to hear from him. And, of course, we have all these great archives and interviews that can allow us to memorialize people like Gibby and Lou Brock. And happy to do that here as we get back to our last segment of the night from the special Live at Shannon's that featured both Bob Gibson and Bill White. I don't get emotional. I'm not going to cry, Mike, so don't look at me. How come you didn't get emotional when you hit me? <laughs> when I, after I got traded. That didn't count. I got emotional. You were family. You know, well, you know, that's like your brother. I was no longer family, though, right? First, no of all, first of all, he got warned. Yeah, I know. I heard that one. I, I, you did warn him. Say, don't be doing that. Well, wait a minute. Walk us through that story. Tell us about no, it. What happened. People heard that. <laughs> and not only that, it's painful. <laughs> they, heard this, they heard this story a million times, and if they didn't, I'm going to tell it but again. I, well, I'll tell you what, what I liked about it, before you hit him, though, you threw the one inside, and he dropped the bat, and he thought he was hit. He yelled before the ball got there. <laughs> no, that's a little yeah. embellishment on the story. But, but Bill... He and I. How much time do we have? We plenty, got plenty. Oh my I got to hear this again for the fiftieth time. And I'm gonna tell I got hit once. Now, you, let me you tell you. Think I got hit fifty times, right? We were talking a while ago about guys forgetting everything, and Bill forgets a little bit. Right now, you know, if you start asking some things about it, he's not quite so sure. But I know exactly what happened. Exactly. And and Bill and I were sitting in the dugout. <clears throat> And just watching the ball game. And, you know, a lot of times you sit in a dugout and you don't pay much attention. But we pay pretty much attention to what's going on, regardless of our conversation, and which we're talking about all kinds of things. And I said, Bill, one of these days you're going to be traded. And no, I said, you no. said, Bill, you're going to get traded. And then I said, in fact, <laughs> you are, you are going to be traded. Right. And I said, you know what, you, you like to reach across the plate and you like to take that outside pitch and pull it. And I said, well, you know, that's good sometimes. I said, but if you ever face me and you pull that outside pitch, I'm going to hit you. Because the outside pitch should be hit the other way. If you hit it the other way with some authority, I don't have any problem with that. But if you reach out there and pull the outside pitch, it means that you have total disregard for the ball that might come inside. And I said, so 
when you get traded, don't do that. So lo and behold, Bill's traded to Philadelphia. And the very first time I meet him, I'm pitching against him. He's playing. I don't know why they put him out there against me, but he's there. <laughs> and I threw him a ball, and the pitch wasn't really a good pitch. He got a base hit right past the first baseman. That was fine. I didn't, it wasn't a good pitch. I had no problem with that. So the next time up, I'm going to throw him a ball away. And I threw him a ball about five inches outside. And he pulled it foul over the first base, over our dugout. We were in the first base. He pulled the ball foul over our dugout. Now, that means he wasn't thinking about a ball inside at all. And as he pulled that ball, I said, oh, Bill, come on, man. And I'm talking to myself. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. So the next pitch hit him right in the elbow. And so he's running to first base and all kinds of expletives. He's calling me. My dear former friend. And he's, he's screaming and yelling. And he's yelling at me, and I'm just looking at him. And uh, I don't say anything. And so now the game is over, and Bill and I are going out to dinner. You know, hardly ever did I associate with anybody on the other team. But Bill and I were roommates, and we were teammates and the whole thing. But, you know, on the field, you're enemies. So we got to dinner. Bill says, you know what? I said, what? He says, you're crazy. I said, what do you mean? He said, you, you hit me. I said, Bill, I warned you. I told you about the ball outside. The ball outside, you have to hit it other way. And if you hit it this way, it shows that you had totally no respect for me whatsoever. So, Bill, don't ever do that again. Who picked up the check? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure who paid, but he was really mad at me. <laughs> no, I respect you. I respect you because uh, you have to pitch inside. Uh, Mike and Bill, there was a rumor that went around about Bob Gibson that every now and then he would throw at a guy. Uh, you guys had a chance to play with him. No, how, he, didn't, how, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't throw a guy. I mean, I remember we had this conversation one time, and it, and it came. He said, "No, I didn't hit that many guys." And we looked it up; it was a hundred plus. <laughs> well, you know, man, you're talking about 17 years. Divide that. that. He played with him, so he didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> I remember one time we were out having an adult beverage in St. Petersburg, and it was about a week before we were going to play the Mets. We played the Mets every year, you know, the first game. And he's talking about Milner, and the more he talked about him, the more he thought about him. He said. I'm tired of that guy hitting me, you know. So, uh, first game, boy, he hit him right above the elbow. Man, it hurt me. I was. <laughs> it well, hurt me. Well, my wife, you're not telling the whole story. Right. Wait a minute. Uh, How about the time you hit that center fielder for the Mets who had just. Uh, Tommy Agee. No. Tommy Agee. That, that, no, that, that was. No. Oh, you didn't hit him. Uh, no, I did, but that wasn't on purpose. <laughs> Mil hey, Milner, I hit on purpose. Well, well, well go ahead and tell the well, story did you about hit Milner. Me on purpose? You, yeah, I hit you on purpose. Okay. Yeah. Milner. <laughs> Milner. Meanest uh, man in baseball. Me. Uh, Me. He'd swing and he'd fall across the plate. <laughs> and, I could. And, and he, he hit me fairly well, which is fine. But we're in spring training, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I got to do something to stop this guy from hitting so much. And so I threw him a ball. I don't know if it was a good pitch or a bad pitch. He hit it foul, but he hit it like 750 feet. 
I mean, he fell, and when he got through swinging, he fell on his face. He swung so hard. And so I said, mm, we're going to do something about that. And so that was a foul ball, which was really, really, really his bad luck. <laughs> he had to get back in there. <laughs> because he had to get back up there. And the next one was right up under his armpit. Boom. And uh, Boom. Does, a, does that mean you hit him or does that mean you missed well, him? Well, no, he hit himself. Because oh. when you when you lean across the plate looking for a ball, you know, out over the plate and the ball's inside, a lot of times you'll hit yourself. <laughs> and he hit himself right up under the armpit. We're, we're playing during the season. You know what I'm thinking? Now, just wait a minute. If, Bill, you, were pitching, if you were pitching when I was with the National League, you would have spent a lot of time on the not able to perform list because I would have suspended you probably for about 30 days out of the season. Yeah, well, this is an afterthought. And you, this is years and years later. The 2021 Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up has gone virtual, so you can purchase a 50-50 raffle ticket or a personalized autographed item right now. You can find out more by just going to cardinals.com slash WWU. Stay with us. We'll come back next up, and we'll be giving away a 2021 Cardinals calendar. So stay with us here on the Cardinals Radio Network as we continue the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. The 2021 Cardinals calendar is here for the holidays. 12 months of epic Cardinals moments worth celebrating all year long. And, of course, celebrations, the theme of the 2021 Cardinals calendar. You can pick up your copy at your area grocery store, at local retailers, or by calling 314-345-9000. Of course, if you're the one lucky person that is going to win one of these calendars right now, you won't have to get out and buy it. But, again, only one person is going to get the giveaway right now, and it'll be our first caller at 314-531-1120, 314-531-1120. If you want to have a shot at the calendar for free, there it is. And again, if you're not the winner tonight, well, of course, you can go pick one up at your area grocery store, local retailers, or simply call 314-345-9000. I want to say on behalf of Mike Claiborne, uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. And obviously, it's the holiday season. We wish all of you the best. Um, for the holidays, including Christmas coming up this week. And we will talk again next week. So this isn't the last time we'll talk in 2020. We've got one more show next week before we turn things over to the new year. Many thanks to our guests, Rick Horton and Bill DeWitt III as well. We'll be talking to you guys next week here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network.